Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. I got nothing. I got, uh, it just seems like <laughs> nothing's really even going on. Like, there's two good conference finals happening, better than I expected them to be with Montreal's win last night. Did not see that one coming. Uh, but uh, that's really it. We're kind of in a holding pattern in Flyers land until... Some things get settled and some moves can start being made. So let's just get right into it and see what everyone else is thinking. Let's lead things off with Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So I would just like to do a tiny victory lap about the Vegas Golden Knights. Just a tiny one because everyone was all about Colorado, all about Colorado. And then Colorado Mm -hmm. did not get it done. And their window is closing a little bit, and Vegas what? is once again in the conference finals. Their whole team's like twenty five. <laughs> what window is? Yeah, closing but for they've Colorado? got they've got cap issues. They I do believe. have some cap issues. I mean, it's really I, I, held back Tampa. Yeah, I, I, yeah. The, the way I look at it, the way I say it with Colorado is like they don't. I don't think their window is closing by any means. Like they're going to be a really, really good team for a long time. That said. This may have been their best team. In oh, ter- yeah. J- just because, yeah. you know, you still have guys, you know, like McCarr on an entry-level deal. You still have McKinnon. He's not getting paid as much as he's going to be paid eventually when this ridiculous contract expires. Like, they had advantages this year, which was why they last summer, could, or last winter, I guess, could go out and get, you know, Devin Taves for very little. They could go out and trade for Brandon Saad. Like, they had cap space in, a, in an offseason when no one had cap space, and they were able to just, like, load up their team. And now they're going to have to be, you know, rather than head and shoulders more talented than everyone else, they're going to have to just be one of the top five most talented teams for the next six years. Like, boo-hoo Colorado. But yeah, this was this yeah. was the year where they had a broken roster. It was so good, and they blew it. No, this is, they had the, uh, like, 
Pro Bowl quarterback on rookie yes. contract sort of uh, exactly. sort of advantage. Like when you're not paying a Kale McCarr and also Nathan McKinnon's on like you know the Sean Couturier deal. It's like uh, okay, we got some room to work here, but it seems like they're pretty fucking good at this. You know, like going and getting Taves the way they did. Uh, getting Samuel Gerard, like they're pretty good at this as well as developing their own talent. So I wouldn't say their uh their windows closing, but hey, one good team beat another. Like I I'm pretty sure those are the two best teams in hockey, and they just happen to meet not in a conference final, not in a Stanley Cup final, but in a second round because they're in the same fucking division, and that's the way the playoffs work this year. It was some great hockey. I and really, it was a great series. I wish that so shit had good. gone... Set, like, Me we too. deserved overtime in Game 6. We deserved a Game 7. Hasn't the world been cruel enough uh, uh, to us already that yeah. we should have got at least some free hockey or some a, a Game 7? Like, God damn it. Yeah. I don't even care who won at the yeah. end, even though all my future bets fucking shit the bed, but I just wanted <laughs> to see more of that awesome hockey. Listen... I told you you should have bet on glitter. Yeah. None of y'all did. Still wasn't uh, a good. Fuck them. Uh, yeah. I'm rooting for it. I, I, we'll get to it. Uh, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So it's been really fun um, for me personally um, to like root for a team in the playoffs and just like go all in on being a stupid fan. So like one of my really good friends, Justin, is a Habs fan. So our entire group has like went all in on just like unabashedly rooting for the Montreal Canadiens. And it's been a lot of fun. Like it's just fun to like yell at the TV again. You know, the stuff that I can't do anymore that I used to do with the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's been a lot of fun and I've enjoyed it. So I do not think the Montreal Canadiens are going to win the Stanley Cup, but it's been a lot of fun like convincing myself that maybe they actually could. I mean, oh god, we made Justin's life hell last year when they were playing the Flyers. I did and see like, a lot of ha 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 tweets at him. <laughs> which was very funny. <laughs> it's really it's like I'm enjoying watching them and it's cool seeing like they're so outmatched by Vegas, but hey, the series uh-huh. is 1-1. But it really is my my bias against the French that won't let me get there. Like, I just <laughs> can't do it. The French are assholes, For me Lloyd. personally, it's better for traffic if Montreal wins because they're our biggest site. Like, that would be good for me and also for us. Habs eyes on the prize. Like, that would be really good. That's not a good name. They need a better name. It is a bad name. It's so bad. God, I hate it so much. It's, it's I'm sorry. I, I kn- didn't make it. I know. I'm not blaming you. I'm just complaining about it because it's like always been the biggest site. And at least Pension always. Plan Puppets is like funny if you get it. But like Eyes on the Prize, it's like, oh, God. Well, that's the thing. If you get it for Pension Plan Puppets. And I don't think some of the newer... The youths, yeah, do. youths probably. I didn't get it until that. you guys explained it to me like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a stupid fucking name. I still do. Cause, <laughs> but like, yeah, if you get it, it's funny at least. Last but certainly. Oh shit, I wanted to record this for TikTok. Hold ah, on. Ah, that's a shame. Last but certainly not okay. least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I'm glad that Charlie brought up the Habs because I was also going to say that I have. I, did not expect at the start of this playoffs that I was going to end up rooting for the Montreal Canadiens, but here we are. And it's not even because I have a fun friend who's French-Canadian. It's just because, like, first of all, they're an underdog. That's always fun. Yeah. 
Second of all, the second I saw Cole Caulfield leap into the arms of Burke, uh, what's his face? Burke event. I don't know why my brain just went blank on the GM's name. Anyway, he leapt into his arms like a small puppy dog after they won that game. And I was like, ah, how can I not root for this team now? <laughs> it's just, it's, they're actually fun. Which is uh, annoying. But. Yeah, it's not. That's the the fun aspect is not what I expected to think about them. Exactly. Like, or um, likable. Yeah. Like somehow they're also very likable, which is like also a weird thing. I don't know. Whatever. It, it is like Charlie said, though, it is just like fun, pure and simple. And it's nice. Yeah. And that's uh, and I want my my question to start things off here is about is about fun. I have a serious question. Now, uh, for a second, I want us to forget about coverage and content and what we do. Because, like, obviously, a playoff run, whether it's good or bad, it's better for us if, like, you're on a playoff run than the other part of this. But as a fan, would you rather be, like, a regular season disappointment and an afterthought, a better luck next year kind of team like the Flyers? Or... Would you rather potentially piss your pants and embarrass yourself on a high expectations run like the Sixers are currently doing? Pee my pants all day. I it's even when it sucks at the end, like the journey to get to it is fun as hell and I would much rather have that for the Flyers than knowing like March 31st that the season is over and everything is bad. Like, it's just, it's more fun. Like, I, I think about 2008 when they when they lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, like that team wasn't as good as Pittsburgh, so losing to them wasn't an embarrassment. I feel like when you blow fourth quarter leads of, like, 18 and 26 or whatever, like, despite whatever it took to get there, that anger is so much worse than the fun of the season. Like the height and the high and the low do not equal. Mm. I mean, that's I a mean, fair both point. of these options are bad. So yeah, I don't I know, know why <laughs> they're asking me to choose. Yeah. Well, they're both shit. Yes, so that's the point. I mean, I feel like some people and, and I don't I don't necessarily agree with this interpretation, but based on some of the feedback I got last winter, some people definitely had this interpretation. Like, some people would say this is what the Flyers did last playoffs. You know, obviously not to the degree of the Sixers, but the idea that, like, well, we thought the Flyers were going to win the Stanley Cup this year, they had everything going for them, and then they play like crap against the Habs, beat them, you know, the worst team in the playoffs, and then they lose to the Islanders and get outplayed in all seven games. Like, so, in a way... It's you're basically just asking like, would you rather have the 2019-2020 Flyer season or the 2020-21 Flyer season? And I would absolutely rather have the 2019-2020 Flyer season. Yeah, sure, but that was like unex like their great play was unexpected. Like going into the playoffs, Fair. yeah, they were hot, but they Fair. had months off. Like the Sixers are supposed to be very good. Like they're supposed to be a top four or five team. Like that is what they were built to be. So I don't, like, I think it's different circumstances, but... I, I don't even know what happened with the Sixers, just that there's a bunch of people filling their diapers online, so well, the, this is probably not a great place to talk about them. No, I just, I, you know, I, it's not... I'm not trying to troll the Sixers here. I have This is something I was thinking about last night. Like, say they lose in six to Atlanta, like, where would I rather be as a fan? 
a team that you know is a disappointment all year and there are ways to fix it or a team it's like oh, we don't have too many fixes we just embarrassed ourselves we'll see what happens next year like i don't know it's, it's Wait, a tough did they not lose the series it's not over no yet. it's not over yet but but, but they they Oh, so people are just feeling their diapers over well, a game that well, they lost. Well, two games. And this game, they were up 26 points, and they blew it. I see. Not great. Yeah. Lots of full dipes. All right. That's what I, I understand now. All right. So back to the, uh, back to the old Stanley Cup playoffs here. Uh, let's start with Vegas and Montreal. Just run through some of this stuff real quick. Uh, Vegas, game one, it looks, it, it looks basically like... T- like the way I expected it to. Carey Price was very good, and it honestly didn't fucking matter. They scored four goals, and that was it. And I kind of, I kind of thought once Montreal got to the big stage here, the actual NHL, um, that's the way it would go. They're they're having a fun season. They won a couple of rounds. Toronto embarrassed themselves. Winnipeg was never very good, but now they're up against one of the two or three best teams in the league, and it would be over in four. Well. Montreal did what they had to do and split the games in Vegas to start the series. They're not in control of the series, but when you start on the road, you want to get one, and they got one. Do they have a shot here? I think they might. I mean, way game two went, it seemed like they figured out a strategy to kind of slow down Vegas a little bit and like grind, like turn it into a more like grind it out kind of a game. Sort of like what they were doing to the Flyers last year. Like, they figured out a way to make Vegas play their game rather than the other way around because they can't beat Vegas at a Vegas game. It's impossible. No. So if they can – if Vegas can't adjust to get around what they're doing, then they definitely have a chance. It's just – Vegas is so good, it's it's hard to imagine that they won't be able to figure it out. But, I mean, after seeing what they were able to do in game two, I do think that it's – you could reasonably – think that they could upset this team yeah i mean i think it's possible like obviously vegas is the you know rightfully the favorite even though the series is 1-1 and you know now vegas has you know home ice i guess they theoretically stole home ice but we'll see if they keep it in game three and game four um you know if you think back to game one and obviously game one you know uh, vegas wins that game montreal even though they came out of the first period losing, they outplayed them in the first period. They played really well in that first period. And then Vegas turned it on in the second and the third and looked like the team you were expecting Vegas to be in this series. But Montreal didn't start off that the series poorly. And then in game two, I felt like they were the better team. You know, on the whole, they, that yeah. wasn't just a, that wasn't a like, we won, but we stole it. That was a, we outplayed them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing with Vegas and I've said this about them, and this is what's hurt them. When they lose in the playoffs, they lose because of this reason. It's that as good as they are, and they are very good. Like, I, I mean, I, I think I've said on this podcast where, like, I love Mark Stone. He's one of my favorite players in the league. But, like, they don't have, like, the game-breaker type who can just, like, do crazy shit. They just have a lot of really good players. And then, like, Mark Stone's probably their best, and he's, like, the ultimate grinded-out guy. You know, he's, like, the best, like, turnover forcer probably in hockey. I, I, I love his game. But, like, when they lose, they lose because they can't score. Because they don't have that guy who can just create offense, like, with a snap of his fingers, like a McKinnon type. And you're facing off against a Montreal team that is very good defensively and has Carey Price playing really well. 
Like, there is a formula here where Vegas just has the puck a lot, cycle, you know, cycles, 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 and can't beat Carey Price. That could happen. So, yeah, Vegas should probably win this series, but I absolutely can see a formula as to how Montreal wins it because Montreal is one of the, as I've said on this podcast, Montreal is one of the better play-driving teams in hockey. Not as good as Vegas, but they're pretty damn good. So it's possible to me that they can, you know, limit how much they get dominated at five on five, and then just hope that Carey Price makes up the difference. I mean, the the thing that that's that's a struggle though, and which is always going to be a struggle for Montreal against Vegas, is that like Flurry's really freaking good too. So for you to win that goalie matchup, like Price has to outplay Flurry. And granted, like Price outplayed Connor Hellebuck last round, so he can do it. But it's hard because Flurry very well might win the Vesna this year. He's a really good goalie, and like that has to happen for them to win this series. But he's Carey Price; he could do it. Yeah, and to your point about Vegas's roster, they have right now nine guys with at least eight points, but their leader has thirteen. We're two games into the second or into the third round, and like, yeah, they don't. It's it's a it's a deep good roster, but they really don't have that top guy. And I will say, though, looking at the teams left, it's not like they're going to run into, I guess Tampa Bay does have those guys, but they have they tend to play not that way if they don't have to. So, like, fuck, uh, you know what? None of this matters. Kelly said this on Twitter a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, who's to say time's a flat circle. The only thing <laughs> that fucking matters is goaltending. Like, yeah. it is the only thing that matters. If Carey Price plays better than Flurry, Montreal will win. If Flurry pay, plays better than Price, they, like, this is the way it's, this is what it's going to come down to 100%. Yeah, I forget what series. How do series you guys feel about that? I, I, I forget what series it was that prompted me to come to that conclusion, but I'm absolutely standing by it. The only thing that matters in the NHL playoffs is goaltending. If you have the best goaltending, you're going to win. So, I don't disagree. But I feel like, I don't know, like it, it makes me feel like maybe we shouldn't leave these championships up to one position. Yeah. Well, it's the most important position, arguably. Yeah, I mean, it's just the nature of hockey, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, but and, and like we learned that like, you know, if your goalie is really bad, there's nothing your team can do to overcome it. Like it's just such an important 2021 Flyers. Exactly. It's just like. You know, if one of your centers is shitty, you've got other ones that can do things. If your goaltending is shit, there's just the one guy. So it's like super and you important also, that they're really good. <laughs> like you also need to build your team from the goalie out. Like Connor Hellebuck is awesome, but since they play no defense in front of him, it does not matter. Like you have to give him a chance sure, at least. Sure. Like they Montreal even seen a defense did up Mo- there. Yeah, did Montreal dress eight defensemen last night? <laughs> like you know, it's. Uh, it's like Charlie said with Vegas, like, yeah, Flurry's great, but also they have a bunch of really good guys who just play their job in front of them. Like, it is about how you build in front of that goalie, but without the goalie, you are fucked, which, you know, we saw this year. The Flyers, I don't know how many times we can say this, but if they get league average, maybe they're in the fucking playoffs. I don't know if they go anywhere, but, like, when you have the worst save percentage, there's no amount of goals you're going to be good. able to score. And in the playoffs, there's only so many scoring chances. Like, teams are playing that fucking low-event hockey on purpose. And, you know, in a seven-game series, if you're going to win it, like, you're going to need your goaltender to steal one, probably. So whichever goaltender can steal one in that series, that's probably the team that's going to win. 
because hockey is dumb. I don't know why we watch the stupid game. It really is so dumb. <laughs> why <laughs> do we watch this yeah. stupid game? I'm just, I'm sitting there last night screaming at the TV, and I'm like, I don't give a shit about either of these teams. Who cares? <laughs> Put on a television show. Watch some characters. No, I'm worried no. about these fucking games. Um, so New York and Tampa, well, this is what I wanted to ask first before we get to New, uh, the Isles and uh, the Bolts. Montreal and the Isles are in the conference final, what would be the conference final, final four, semifinal, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Semifinal makes no sense. It does. Right? Like, that would be halfway. The second round, when they, before they just said, fuck it, first, second, conference final, it would be quarter, semi, conference, cup. How is semi the third round? It makes no sense. <laughs> Don't think too much about it. It's it, driving me insane. Yeah, they they like galaxy brained what to call this because it's not the conference finals. Like, can we just leave it as it is, no please? It's fine. Like every well, what it comes down to me is everyone's calling it the final four, but that's trademark, so the NHL actually can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> So they're like, I don't know, fucking semifinals. Who gives a shit? It's the it's the last round before anyone watches. How about that? The remaining four. They should have just yeah. gone with the remaining four. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Yeah, no, it's stupid. And I hate it also. I also, I just, I hate this playoff format. <laughs> I thought that I would like it. I thought that I would like it, but I hate it. I just, I can't stand it. First Here's round the was thing. fun as hell. Yeah, first, first round's great. always great. Yeah. I, I thought I like this it was would... extra good this year. Yeah. Because the teams hated each other so much by the time we got to it. They only played each That's other, true. and then they had exactly. to play each other seven fucking times. Exactly. <laughs> it made it very good. I, I, what it comes down to for me is I thought this was going to actually lead to the best on best, best which we rarely get. And, of course, once again, it did not. Uh, so, I mean, it still could. Vegas and Tampa, that's right there. Like, Vegas-Tampa is as close to best on best as you can ask for, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a little disappointing. But if we get that, it's it's right there. So, Montreal and the Islanders. Flyers struggled with Montreal last year. They lose yeah. to the Isles. Does it make you feel a little better? I, I Actually, no. I thought about that. It. I actually was thinking about that a few days ago where, you know— Good, because I thought you were going to call me out for trolling. No, no, it's it's an it's an interesting. Well, I mean, you do troll all the time, but it's an interesting point. Like you know, you had the, the thing is that, that makes it tough to to go that route is like then the Flyers had an awful season, so it's yes. hard to be like, well, actually, looking back, it wasn't that bad that the Flyers didn't you know kick the shit out of the the Canadians and then beat the Islanders because look, the, both those teams were in the final four this year because then the Flyers went out and, and you know, then what happened? F- fell flat on their face <laughs> the following season. That said, there is an element of, you know, these teams were probably better than we were giving them credit for, you know, back in July and August when everyone was just frustrated that the Flyers weren't the same team that, you know, was great from mid mid January through the pause and then great in the in the round robin and it was like these teams suck, why aren't they playing the way they were playing? Like, well, they don't suck. And Montreal Montreal I, I mean, I'm a, I've said this on this pod. I'm a Montreal defender even before I was rooting for them this run. Like, I think they're a pretty good team and the Islanders, I mean, we've had that debate, but they're also a good team. I don't think they're a great team, but they're very clearly a good team. 
So, yeah, I mean, it does make, I think, their the fact the Flyers did not, you know, assert their dominance in the playoffs, it makes that, in retrospect, seem less, like, you know, less of an issue. But then the Flyers proceeded to be awful the next season. So it, what does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? No, we made the comparison to that uh, that Ottawa team that went to that conference final last year with the Isles. Actually, no, that's the Flyers. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> oh, no. that's actually who they are. <laughs> but yeah, like anybody who wants, like, listen, going into that playoff series with Montreal last year, yes, I thought the Flyers were so much better than them. Then I watched it. Like, my opinion of Montreal changed because, like, it wasn't just that the Flyers were playing shitty. It was that Montreal, like, was doing good things. So, you know, it's not, you know, watching the year Montreal had, it's a little surprising. But watching what they've put together over these last couple of seasons, it's not a huge surprise. And, of course, they've added to the team that the Flyers beat last year. All right, the Isles in Tampa. I want to clarify my position on the Islanders because, like, some people... No, yes, be- can we? No, because, like, this week, people have been, like, hitting me up on Twitter, like, I so agree with you, the Flyers need to be the Islanders. No, that's not what I'm saying. Oh, I'm, like, uh, my point last week that I don't know if I made a great job of making... Yes, I'm rooting for them now because, one, chaos, two, Maxine Nightingale, three, yes, chance. Um, my position is the Islanders, as Charlie said are not a quote-unquote great team. But they are great at something, and it's just their team game, their team defense, and they get solid goaltending. And I think regardless of what your identity is, you have to be great at something, and they are. What they are great at is a team equal or worse than them, they can just strangle and defeat, as we've seen. A team better than them, like Tampa, they turn these games that should not be coin flips into coin flips. Like Charlie said, oh, well, they just, you know, they're they're in these coin flip games and they win them sometimes. Yes, but that is kind of their strategy. Like Tampa should sweep them, but they will not. And they might actually lose to them because of what the Islanders do. I don't want the Flyers to be the Islanders. I don't think they can be. Like, I just think... They are a team that other teams will try to emulate, and I don't think it's a bad idea, especially in like a flat cap world where you can't be Colorado or Tampa. It's bad for us because we have to watch hockey games, and if everyone tries to be the Islanders, it's going to be incredibly boring hockey to watch. Uh, the Islanders have We're not been lose that boring. So many staff year. just because <sighs> the Islanders lead the playoffs in goals scored. I know. No, th- but also, have you considered that I really hate them? I, I was just going to say that, but I hate them. <laughs> no, the, the the thing with the Islanders, and this is you know, because I, I do want to clarify the like the Islanders are boring thing, because it's not that they're boring in the sense of like their games are boring. Stuff happens in their games. Basically, what when I when I say the Islanders are boring, what I more mean is that. If you want to beat the Islanders, you have to be boring. Because essentially what the Islanders do, this is their entire strategy. Their entire strategy is they collapse they, they collapse the defensive zone, they let you have the puck, they 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 have their structure is is generally near perfect defensively. And they just basically are making a wager that you don't have the offensive patience 
to essentially wait them out and probe and, and, and look for, you know, and, and, and essentially just wear them, slowly wear them down over the course of a game. Because if you don't have the patience, what happens is you make you take risks, you turn the puck over, and then they go back down the ice with these transition plays that they're really good at. Like, that's where the excitement comes from. You got guys like Barzell, you got guys like Bavilia. Like, they score on the rush a lot. And the reason why they score on the rush a lot, even though they mostly play dump and chase, is because their entire system is predicated on the idea of, we don't think you have the patience to attack us the way you have to attack us to beat us. And when you get impatient and you screw up, we're going to go down the ice and we're going to make you pay for it. That's what they did to the Flyers. That's what they did to the Lightning in game one. So the only way you can beat them, really beat them, is just wear them down, play their style, and just over the course of seven games, out-talent them, you know, over the, the sample. So it's not that they necessarily play boring. It's that if you want to beat them, you have to play boring. And that yeah. tends to make for not, it's especially aesthetically. Like when the Islanders are winning, they're exciting because they're winning because they're taking advantage of other teams getting frustrated. When the Islanders are losing, it's pretty boring. Remember how frustrating zone exits were in that series last year? Like, the only way the Flyers could get the puck out was to just high flips to the defenseman in the neutral zone and, like, hope for a then yeah. a puck battle. Like, that's that's what they were doing. There were no breakouts. And, yes, it is extremely boring when you're the other team, but, like... Turnovers and rush goals are fun for the fucking Islanders. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the the idea yeah, is to absolutely. bore the other team to death. Yeah, it's uh, yes. Look, yes. I want I want Vegas and Tampa. Like uh, just to watch the hockey, I do. But there will be something kind of funny about the Islanders getting there. Like, goddamn, it will be hilarious. Don't do it. Do not put like, that into the universe. Just Don't another another year where Toronto goes out in the first round and shit. Like, I just, I get a lot of joy out of that because at least there's another fan base more miserable than me, and it's <laughs> Toronto. Right, so that's funny, and that will be funny even if the Islanders don't win. So let's not put the Islanders into the universe. Eh, I'm all right with it. Nope, we're not doing it. It's just... Like, on principle, I don't want them to have success. I don't want them to have success. I respect but, that. But I also believe that when a team in your division wins, it's got to make you look at yourself harder. Yeah. Like, we went to seven with this team last year, and then we shit ourselves, and now they're going to the fucking Stanley Cup final. Like, I don't know. It, it's just... Yeah, but that never happened when the Penguins won. Like the Flyers didn't make dramatic changes every time the Penguins won, or well, when the Flyers the just won. made dramatic yeah. changes all the time. Like the Penguins yeah. went back to back in the '90s, and they're like, "Fuck it, they have they have Mario Lemieux. Let's go get Eric Lindros." And then, like when they were winning, and when they got Crosby, the Flyers built their fucking Stanley Cup team. They tore it apart because they were a bunch of asshole drunks, but they still built it. One thing I will say about the Islanders is that they actually have kind of a fun fan base right now. That's why I like them. Apparently there's like a big like tailgate party type of culture surrounding their playoff run, which is you do like to see a fan base that's like actually loyal to a shitty hockey team. You like to see them get rewarded from time to time. I just really hate Lou Lamorello and I hate 
the team that they've built there and I hate the way that they play hockey. So like I, I just can't root for them to win. I would really, really love to see another Pajama Boy video. I know that we're not going to, but that would make me very happy. Oh, God. That was like the highlight of comedy. Like, thank you, Islanders fans. And I don't even think that it was on purpose. Like, I don't think it was supposed to be funny. All right, so both series tied at one. Do we think this thing eventually gets to Vegas, Tampa, or is there going to be some sort of speed bump here? I don't know. I think yes. Just looking at the matchups, I think logically those are yeah. the two better teams, right? But who knows? Anything but since happens. When does that matter? <laughs> exactly. Right. The the goalie battle for Vegas and Montreal is going to be fascinating to continue to watch. I have a hunch that one of the underdogs is going to win. Not quite sure which. I don't think both of them are going to win, but I just have a hunch that one of them is going to sneak through. I wouldn't doubt it. They're both making it very interesting, so. I mean, the Islanders are not, pl- like, the Islanders are, are playing well in this series. And Montreal's yes. playing pretty well in this series. Like, these, you know, yes. yeah, Vegas and Tampa are the more talented teams in those series. But it's not like, this isn't shaping up. Like, I, I think back to the, the series Vegas had last year with Vancouver, where it went seven, but, like, you watch those games, and there was never a moment where you didn't know for a fact that Vegas was head and shoulders better than Vancouver. Like, it went seven, and it was a joke that it went seven. Basically, just because Thatcher Demko stood on his head. These series, you watch them, and it doesn't feel like one team is totally overmatched. Like I guess it did in the second and third period of game one in Vegas-Montreal, but that's the only point of either of these two series where one team has looked head and shoulders better than the other. The rest of the periods, they just look pretty even. All right, we are going to take a quick, quick, Jesus, let me try that again. We are going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to actually get into some Flyers stuff, so stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, fam, we are back, and I want to lead this off with a big, uh, I guess, congratulations to Oscar Lindblom. He took home the Masterson, Masterton Trophy. That's cool. I'm glad he, you know, he got something. Uh, he got recognition for the battle he went through. Uh, this trophy always makes me kind of so uncomfortable. Weird. Yes. Uh, but, you know, good for him. He, he did it, and just to be able to get back on the ice and everything. I can't remember who it was, but there was a beat reporter who was like, you know, it's not the comeback player trophy. Like, someone else is real dedicated, too. I was like, this is the point you're going to make today. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the one you want to argue about? <laughs> okay. This guy had cancer, and yeah. you don't think that he deserved like a trophy for that. 24, and he had extremely rare and dangerous like, cancer while he I was would playing say- hockey. I would say, like, going through chemo and then suiting up for the playoffs, like, weeks yeah. later. Within the same year? Yeah, like, um, that's some dedication to hockey. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's nuts. Really, at the I end still of the day, can't believe that he did that. Like that God. was I did not expect, especially like as soon as like we were saying, you know, it's un it's unlikely we get to see him. You know, maybe if they make it to a conference final or the cup final, he'll play in September when you know that was happening. The season was running into fucking September. Uh, but like. Uh, the fact that he played in the second round last year after being diagnosed in fucking December was absolutely insane. Um, I'm I'm just happy he's back, and I'm I'm hoping you know he builds up some strength and becomes close to the player we saw before. You know, and he was getting chemo during a global pandemic. Like that's this whole story is just nuts, and I like I couldn't be happier that he's maintained his sense of humor and personality through all of this and he is just i call him my sunshine boy he is so kind and so happy all the time um i'm really happy for him and i like the trend of flyers players winning trophies during the playoffs that they are no longer participating in ew i well Last last year it was the Selkie, right? They weren't playing when he won the Selkie. Was were the Flyers already knocked out when he won the Selkie? I don't remember the timeline there. I think so, but I could be wrong. I'm very open to the fact that I could be wrong. Yeah, I just don't remember. I don't. I don't remember when that got announced. I remember being in the availability with Kateri afterwards. I just don't remember the time frame because it was 2020 and time isn't real. At least it wasn't real that year. Right. Not at all. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was so, nice, it was nice to see, uh, you know, to see Oscar get recognized, definitely. Um, you know, the, the fact that, and, and Bill mentioned this, the fact that he played in two games in that bubble was honestly unreal. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. you know, a few months removed from, like, literally torturing his body to, you know, to try to beat cancer. And somehow he got himself into good enough shape to play in two playoff games, two elimination games, and really not look terrible. Like, he didn't look... He, did he look like himself? No. Did he look out of place? Like, he looked like an NHL player, and there by no right should he have, considering the year he went through. And, I mean, if that's not dedication to hockey, I don't know what is. So, in a bit of a uh, newsier item... Elliot Friedman says Dougie Hamilton is not Philly's top blue line target. This is concerning. Listen, so it's a little bit horseshit because I really want Douglas on the Flyers. But (laughs) if Ryan Ellis is Philly's top target, this is totally fine for me. The problem is Matthias Ekholm is Philly's top target. This is totally fine for me. But you know it's not them. If, you know, Seth Jones is Philly's top target, that's concerning. Well, here's the thing. They, in my mind, they just, they need two of those guys. Like, yeah. Hamilton, like, he's going to get like 10 million fucking bucks, so that is what it is. But, like, if it's Ekholm, Ellis, Jones, yeah, they need two. Well, I don't, I don't think that's realistic. Like, I don't think it's realistic it, that they're going to get, they're going to get two number ones. I've, I've been on board saying that I think they need a number one, and then I think they need another solid guy. But 
I mean, if if our expectation going into the season is that they're going to get two number one defensemen, like let's let's pull back a little <laughs> I mean, bit. Our, Very few teams have two I'm number one defensemen. I'm happy with one number <laughs> or, one defenseman. Or, Just give me one. If it's Ekholm and Jones, are either of them number ones though? Like really? I mean, they're both top pair guys. At least I mean, yeah. At least in terms That's of their the perception around we, the league. We need to kind of, I think, settle into the idea that we're not going to have a clear like. Alec Petrangelo, number one defenseman. What we need to hope Ugh. for is a very good first pairing. Because I, it's incredible. We've, I think we've all accepted that Ivan Provorov is probably not going to turn into one of those like clear cut Shea Weber, Alex Petrangelo, Chris Pronger, like clear cut number one defenseman. I don't think, outside of getting Dougie, who is one, but in a completely different mold than any yeah. of those guys, which I think True. would really make Flyers fans upset. But I don't even know if that's like a, a thing to be upset about. Like there aren't that many of those guys in the league. So if you can settle into a very good, dependable first pair where both of the guys are kind of like 1A, 1B, or really like 2A, 2B, but they're very good together. Like, that's enough for me. Yeah, and, and I was going to say... I think like, that's, that's realistic. Oh, go ahead, Charlie. No, I just... I mean, that's realistic. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think... Like, is Matthias Ekholm... And I don't even know if Matthias Ekholm is available anymore, to be totally honest with you. Same with Ryan Ellis. I don't yeah. know I don't know what the hell Nashville's doing this, this offseason, but... They don't know what the hell they're doing, yeah, but... I mean... I'm just saying. Fair enough. Um, Like... Both of those guys can be the number one defenseman on a team. I think they're both good enough to be the number one defenseman on a team. They're not of, you know, the holy shit, we have one of the top five defensemen in hockey level. That's the thing. But they're they're good. I mean, and the the Jones debate, you know, we've had the Jones debate on this podcast. The Jones debate's been all over Twitter. Like, you know, he's generally speaking viewed as a top pair defenseman. Now, you know, whether he still is, you know, whether the stats tell the story better than the eyes do. Who's right? Who's wrong? That that's a debate that we could have for you know literally hours. But he's viewed, let's wait till we get one of them. Yeah, like he's viewed around yeah. the league as a top pair guy, and he's viewed around the league as the guy a guy with the physical ability to be a number one. So if you get him, I mean, there's your top pair guy. Like whether it works or not, we'll see. But you're getting him, and if you get him, everyone is going to say the Flyers got a top pair defenseman. Yes. If you get Ryan Ellis, everyone and is the- going to say the Flyers got a top pair defenseman. My problem with the Seth Jones thing, it doesn't even have to do with his talent or lack thereof or playing ability or whatever. It has to do with the fact that you're going to have to make a trade to get him this year, which means that you're going to be giving up probably a hefty number of assets to get him, number one. Number two, you're going to have to re-sign him. He's probably going to want a whole lot of money. So like the two scenarios that play out here are you trade assets for him? You get him. He's not good, so you don't want to re-sign him. Okay, fine, but now you still don't have a number one defenseman, and also you've lost assets getting him. Or you trade assets to get him. He plays okay. You decide to re-sign him. Now you're stuck with him for eight years, and we find out in two or three of those years that, oh shit, the last two years of Seth Jones' career actually were real-life Seth Jones, and now we're stuck with him, and we can't do anything about it because we're paying him a ton of money so we can't afford to get anybody better. Like it's both of those scenarios to me aren't good. And I guess that there's the scenario where he comes and he's just like outstanding and everything's great, but that one seems a little, you know, 
outside of <laughs> that the realm. I mean, it, very it, all of this it could happen. Well it very well could happen. happen. It, I guess it could, but it just, I don't know. It's, it's such a gamble. And I don't think that you get him cheap from Columbus. Like, I, I do think that you're going to have to give up significant assets to get him. And I don't love that. You're going like, to have to give up assets. You're yeah. going to have to give up assets, but like, he's not resigning there. No, I know that. But and everyone knows it. Yeah, but if you want him this year, I feel like Columbus is going to be like, "What well, if you want him right now? You're going to fucking pay for it, or you can wait till next year." Well, I mean, it also just boils say, okay, down to the, the, the bidding war. Yeah, that too. Yeah, like I everyone gonna, knows that Columbus what... is going to trade Seth Jones, but the problem yeah. is, is that if there's six teams that want Seth Jones and they and that drives the price up, then you're going to be paying a lot to get Seth Jones. Going back to what Kelly said about just having, you know, not one of those top guys, but a good top pair. I was going to ask, but can you win without that guy? Because I've always said you need three things, the 1C, the 1D, and the 1G. If you don't have that one guy, can you win the cup? Well, I don't know if they're going to win the cup, but looking at the Islanders, to go back to them as an example... Yeah, they don't have Do it. they have one of those guys? No. But their top pair, as Charlie said last week, like, functions as one single unit. It's like, Pollock and Pellick together vomit are... twins. Yeah, they are <laughs> I together. I so much. I hate them so much. <laughs> they combine to make a number one defenseman, and when I look at what, like, Provorov and Jones could be, two guys who can just grind the shit out of you and play half the game... I do think they kind of have the makings of one of those types of pairings. Ugh. It would be great if that happened. It just... I just hope, and we'll never know if any of this happens, because one never actually finds out these things. But I just hope that if we end up with Seth Jones, that before that happens, Chuck makes a play for at least one of the guys that is just demonstrably better. And we don't know what Nashville is doing, so there's that. But I do think that you make a you make a call or two and see what's up. So like I hope that at least it's not like we're just going to get Seth Jones. Like that's that's what we're doing. We're not exploring anything else. Like I hope that's not the situation. I hope that that's one of the plan Bs or Cs, but that Plan A is more of like a lock on a good defenseman. I'd be calling Nashville every day. Every day. I they Dave, would be getting the you up text. Dave, you up? What's up? I think they're going to get, gonna get somebody. <laughs> I think they're going to get somebody that we haven't talked about. Like Could be when you too. hear when you hear the rumors of like, oh, more more Flyers players are going to be available than you think. I think that's going to be a kind of a league-wide scenario because of the financial situation basically every team is in. Um, mm. I, there could be a lot. I just think there's going to be a lot of league-wide movement because everyone's trying to maneuver. That's People are trying to figure things out, and when that happens, someone's going to fuck up. Like, someone's going to pull a Chirelli. You know, hopefully we're on the, we're on the good end of that. Now, I want to talk about a... Uh, I want to talk about a scenario that I just love that I read on the old BroadStreetHockey.com this week. Offer sheet Pedersen. Yes. Oh, man. Elias Pedersen is a restricted free agent, and let's go get him. Chucky. So let me tell you how this article went down. 
So this was a brainwave from Eamon, who you guys have heard on Flyperbole. Um, and the way that it started was, well, the, the Canucks don't have any cap space and they've got a lot of young guys to re-sign. So let's go offer sheet Quinn Hughes. And when they they match it, then we can offer sheet Patterson and That's they genius. don't have any cap space. <laughs> right? That would be amazing. But the problem is, is that Hughes is on Yeah, he can't be offered. Someone sheet. can Yeah. Right, he can't be offer sheeted. Whatever the rule is, um, and I know Charlie's having connection issues, but he would be able to say what it is. I think it's like 10.2. Uh, 10.2 or something, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yes, I forget. We do have other intelligent hockey fans. I sometimes And analysts. Think. Sometimes. <laughs> um, but the fact that, like, this is a possibility. Like, you could really fuck over a team by offer sheeting one and then be like, oh, okay, you match, let me offer sheet the other is like criminal mastermind. But okay, so it doesn't work out because of whatever. We can still offer sheet Patterson, who's one of the best young players in the league, and that instantly, excuse me, instantly makes the team better. Now, does it fix the defense? No. But... It helps the offense. I mean, so. this team needs more good players. Up, like regardless, yeah, up yes. and down. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, it doesn't defense, hurt. Like defense is very important. They have to fix that. But overall, they just need more good players. Uh, Eamon wrote, "If I'm Fletcher, I offer Sheet Pedersen to a seven-year, eight-point-seven million-dollar AAV contract." Man, like that would just be absolutely fantastic. I don't even care what they pay him. I just want an offer sheet. <laughs> uh, the last I wrote down. <laughs> Uh, like give him twenty, I don't give a shit. Uh, but I, I he's, looked I mean, up like he's worth he's worth that off op- that offer sheet absolutely. Yeah. Like he's definitely oh. an eight million dollar player. He's oh, that good. a guy at a guy at his age who's already had the consistent goal scoring production. Like goals cost money on that team. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, on a bad team too. Yeah. yeah, like goals cost money, and he scores a lot of them, and he's only gonna get better. Uh, so I looked up some offer sheet history here. The last six offer sheets in the NHL have been matched, and eight of nine overall since the lockout have all been matched. Only Dustin Penner in 07 was accepted. He was signed away from Anaheim by Edmonton for five years at $21.5 million, and, of course, the first, second, and third round draft pick comp- compensation. Philly has offer sheeted a Vancouver player before. Uh, Vancouver matched Philly's one year, $1.9 million offer sheet for <laughs> Ryan Kessler in September 06, coming like right before or right before the season coming out of the lockout. We offer sheeted Ryan Kessler for under $2 million and they matched one year. Just in, it was very odd. That is yeah, a it was weird offer broke sheet. Out. And Vancouver has also matched. The Blues one-year offer sheet for uh, Steve Bernier, uh, which appears to have been retaliation for the Canucks offer sheeting David Backus the week prior in 2008. So Give me there's more been, of that. Van, Give me more yeah, of that. This shit used to happen all the time. There were yep. six, from 06 to 2010, there were six offer sheets. 
And there have only been three since. Shea Weber in 2012, Ryan O'Reilly in 2013 coming out of that lockout, and Sebastian Ajo in 2019. So it does seem like... Coming right out of the uh, coming right out of the 06 lockout, Philly sends an offer sheet. Coming right out of the 2013 lockout, there's an offer sheet. We're it, this hasn't been a lockout, but this is a financially fucked up time. It does seem like the uh, the circumstances could. I'm not gonna say. I'm not saying the Flyers are gonna do this, but somebody there might be a real offer sheet, not just the Sebastian Ajo fucking. Oh, there's no collusion. Look, we did an offer sheet for exactly what this player is worth. Like no collusion here. Uh, like okay, like there could be an actual like legitimate offer sheet this uh this summer. This is the year to do it with yeah. the cap situation and all of the teams kind of up against it. Like this is the summer to really try to steal somebody. No one will do it because they are the most boring people alive. You gotta yeah. believe, yeah, Kelly, this is... this is the year. I know. Well, yeah. They won't. God, I really, really hope so. Like, we all, we all deserve an offer sheet. This has been the worst time ever. Like, we deserve an offer sheet. Let's, please, NHL GMs, just make it happen. Please. So the, the thing that and is... target Vancouver. The, the thing that is interesting to me about this Vancouver idea, and to be clear... Like, I don't think it's going to happen. But, nope. you know, one of, the, one of the underrated parts of this offer sheet thing, and I do believe that there's an element of collusion in terms of the GMs. No one wants to, you know, no one wants to get into a pissing oh. contest with another GM. They're all yeah. buddies, all that shit. But there is another element where, like, the player has to want to sign an offer sheet. And, a, and a lot of the players, like, I've, I've heard that there have been, you know, like, a lot of times, particularly with Tampa. This is something that absolutely happened with Tampa where – Teams have tried to offer sheet Tampa's RFAs, and their RFAs are like, "No, we're not leaving Tampa. Like, you can you can present you can present me one. I'm not going to sign it because I like being here. I'm not leaving." The thing that's interesting yeah. to me about Braden Point not getting offer sheeted that has to be he said, "I'm not going to yeah. sign one." No, day. there were there you were had to go and try to yes. There, there yeah. were there were teams like that, that proposed center. that yeah. proposed the idea of offer sheeting Braden Point, and Braden Point was like, "No, I'm staying in Tampa." What's interesting to me about Vancouver is that I look, I don't report on Vancouver. I just read reporting from people who I know are plugged in. The players in Vancouver were really mad at the end of the season about how the Vancouver management dealt with their COVID outbreak and dealt with the messaging and communication with the players and everything. They were not happy with the way that Vancouver, the organization, dealt with that. This strikes they me as real. Yeah, like I don't know how Elias Pedersen felt, but like the, he might be in the frame of mind where he's like, "Hey, I don't know if I have a lot of loyalty to these guys anymore." It's just an interesting like element of this, where like you know, if you're pissed off at your bosses, sometimes you're like, "Hey, I'm not. I'm okay with getting the hell out of here." One thing I do know about Vancouver is they the the youths. The the young guys on the team are very close. Like So let's get two I of think, their players. Well, that's the other thing. Like I asked Eamon directly, how can we get Brock Besser? Because yeah. he's Pedersen's best friend. Yeah, that's not like they are Pedersen was staying at Brock Besser's parents' house this offseason. Like they're best friends. Um, how do we get both of them to let them both escape from Vancouver? That would be cool and fun for me. 
we don't. That's how like... Oh, right, now, right, right. As, yeah. <laughs> as bad as I want an offer sheet, there is a technical downside that we saw uh, play out for the Flyers the last time they tried this. Vancouver has a week to match, if that's still a thing. I believe it is. Uh, and while they take their sweet time to do it, because why would you match right away, make the other team sweat, fuck them, the Flyers have like $9 million tied up that they can't spend filling other holes uh, because of the cost uncertainty. So it isn't the same as just going and getting a free agent, going and making a trade. Like, there is an element of, and they matched, and we missed out on everybody else too. So it is a huge risk from that regard, especially when it's like it's not Phil Kessel for two million dollars or Ryan Kessler. It's fucking a dude for eight point seven. Yeah, I mean, there is the element of you can go 10 percent over the cap, you know, in the offseason. So there is that you're not totally screwed. But yeah, it certainly cuts down on your offseason flexibility without a doubt. Um, You know, and also like. You know, you have to give up those picks. So another aspect of it is that if you have other trades in the air that would theoretically involve one of those picks, you can't trade them. You know, so like you're giving up four first round picks, including the one for this year, you offer sheet. um, You know, you can't let's say like let's say you're talking, you know, to Columbus about Seth Jones and they're like, okay, we're going to do a deal. You know, it's got to be, uh, I guess it's. I guess it would be next year's because he wouldn't be a, a restricted Futures, free baby. agent until, yeah. you know, un- until after the draft. But, like, let's say that, you know, Jones is still on, on Columbus, you know, come whatever the first day of free agency is this year. Usually it's July 1. It's obviously not July 1 this year. I think it's July 28th. Um, and you're talking to Columbus, and Columbus is like, we're only going to do a deal if you give us the 2022 first-round pick in the package. And then you offer Shea Pedersen. Then that 2022 first round pick is in limbo because you can't trade it while you're, you know, possibly going to be giving it up as compensation for the offer sheet. So there is that element where you're stuck for a week, and obviously the team that got off, that had the player offer sheet is going to be really pissed at you, and they're going to want you to twist in the wind even if they plan to match. But you know, if you're trying to get an Elias Pettersson, sometimes you got to take the risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know Steph has to go, so I want to ask this to her real quick, and then she can sign off, and we can wrap if uh, if you want, Steph. You want Jack Eichel? I don't no. know, man. He makes so much money, and his neck, like his head might fall off. And I think he's like a problem in the locker room. All he, all you hear about him from him is just drama, drama, drama. No, 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 he's miserable in Buffalo. Same as right, Ryan but- O'Reilly was. Everyone is miserable in Buffalo. He wants to get the fuck out. Of- like, I get it. That organization I do. But it's like been, this has been mess. this way for years. And when he first started He's acting been up. the whole time. They gave him what he wanted. They fired the head coach. They fired the GM and gave him new ones. And it still wasn't good enough for him. I think he's a problem. Team's still bad. Real That's, bad. I do. Like, his attitude-wise, I wonder how much is Buffalo's a terrible organization. And how much is is really him? Like, him and Ryan O'Reilly didn't get along, so they got rid of Ryan O'Reilly. Like, all these things. Like, I, I, he's a very good player. The neck is a concern. On top of the contract, those two things are kind of prohibitive. Yeah. And then, man, this is a team. The Flyers are a team that I believe needs a culture change. And I, I, I'm not calling players in the Flyers locker room quitters. But, um... They don't need another guy who might be. 
Yeah, I we we truly don't need a spoiled brat in the locker room. And if he is, in fact, one of those guys, we don't need another one of those. Um, but I do kind of, I mean, like, when the whole Ryan O'Reilly thing was happening, there was, like, bye stuff. There was, like, a, a Ryan O'Reilly is a problem narrative going on. So it's, like, is he actually a problem or is Buffalo just an absolute nightmare? It could be both of those things. Um, but like, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly did drive his truck into a fucking Tim Horton shit faced. So who among us? Um, I will, I will jump in since it seems like the consensus is no to Jack Eichel. I would absolutely say yes, to Jack Eichel. He's an awesome player and I trade for him. Even with that, mu- that contract, it's so yes. much and so long. he's worth it. I'm okay. fine with the contract. It's the contract plus neck. The like neck, neck, the neck scares me. Neck is not knee. Like knee, you put it's a brace a on it. it I'm heals. not going to deny that. Like, I the risk there, man. I'm all for getting spicy this off season. And fuck, man, if they trade for Jack Eichel, it's not like I'm not going to be excited and be hopeful right. that he's the that he's <laughs> right. the fucking the dude who we think he is talent wise. Uh, like you know, uh, I'm not going to come on here and complain if the Flyers get Jack <laughs> Eichel. Uh, that would be fucking silly. Uh, I should be fired <laughs> if I do that. But. I do think it's kind of a risk. I want risks this offseason. I, I, I want them to change things up. I don't know if he's the guy. I just don't hey. know. My, my, so my thing is, like, are there concerns about Jack Eichel? Yes. Yes, there are. I mean, the, the neck thing is legitimate. You know, there are whispers that he's, you know, not when you say a malcontent, but, like, there's whispers that, like, you know, he's not, like, the best dude. The thing is, is that, like, at some point, we know he's a malcontent. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a malcontent, but it's Buffalo. Like, I understand why someone yeah. would be a malcontent in Buffalo because that organization is an utter dumpster fire. Like, it's not. I'm not. I'm not going to give a player shit for being miserable in an objectively miserable situation. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. Like, you know, if someone hates their job and their company is truly awful, I'm not going to be like, well, man, that person complains too much. You know, no, sometimes you have a reason to complain. He has a reason to complain. But getting back to the point I was making, like, yeah, he's maybe not the perfect thing, but the thing is that the perfect players don't become available. Sometimes you got to take a leap on a guy, and when a guy's out there who has, you know, he's, and I think I view Jack Eichel as an elite hockey player, and there aren't that many elite hockey players, and there aren't that many. There's even fewer of them that are even remotely close to being available to be acquired. So, like, I don't think the Flyers are going to get Jack Eichel because I think they're going to get outbid. I think there are teams that can offer yeah. a package that has more of what Buffalo wants. But... I think the Flyers should absolutely be involved in trying to get Jack Eichel. And if the price goes down to the point where the Flyers are offering the best package, you know, or at least the package that Buffalo thinks is the best, then yeah, you know, getting Jack Eichel is a franchise changing move. And is it a risk? Sure. But sometimes you got to take a big swing. That's the way I look at it. You know, I would call it a franchise changing move, except he doesn't appear to have changed the franchise he already plays for. You absolutely cannot put that on Jack Eichel. Like, I'm top just, to but bottom. franchise-changing move. Like, Eric Carlson is a franchise-changing player. Yes, Ottawa is trash, but they get to go to an Eastern Conference final because they have that guy. Now, yes, everything falls apart, but I just, like... 
I don't know, Pittsburgh was going to fucking move. And then they got Crosby, and then they fucking became the most profitable team in the sport. Yeah, but they also got Malkin, and they also got Flurry. They, they, They had, like... Three or four elite players that they got at the same time, like Crosby's. Is a is a good argument. It's pissing me off because it is. I'm just saying, like, listen. I'm not. I just think Buffalo is such a dumpster fire. It's not going to matter. Oh, and that's that's the that's another like in terms of his neck and how he wants this, I guess, procedure that's never been done on a hockey player before. I considering how miserable he is in Buffalo. I do wonder if he gets traded. It's like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> it's feeling a little looser. It's feeling a little looser today. I think we can treat it Turns with a diff. I think we can treat it differently. Maybe I don't need this risky procedure. Like, <laughs> I do wonder if there is an element of that. If it's like, yeah, if you keep me, I'm gonna get this surgery that it might end my career. And guess what? My contract's guaranteed. Like, I do wonder if there's a part of that. Maybe. I mean, I, like like you said, Bill, I'm not going to be pissed off if they get Jack Eichel. It's just like, that's not, that wouldn't be my goal for the summer. But to Charlie's point, like I've been saying for six months, they need more good players. And like, he He's is objectively, he is objectively a good player. So. Pretty, pretty good. <sighs> There's I so just feel much like, that could you know, happen. Yeah, they have, there, there is, it's just a fascinating offseason. I just like, I mean, man. You know, you can roll if you if you could roll. You know, you're with your centers, Jack Eichel, Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, get it, get a defenseman, and then we're fucking going. Like, yeah, and you're gonna have to give up. A, and like, you're gonna have to give up a lot to get Jack Eichel, to be sure. Like, Travis Konecny probably gone. Like, you know, and oh, and sure. probably probably another legitimately good piece as well on the roster. But you have that kind of Sorry, centers. Hey. Yeah, Hagen a third, baby. Um, Hagen a third. But you, know, you have those centers, and if you then fix the defense in some way, I mean, we're cooking with gas here. That's the way I look at it. That's, what do you think so about much... the? I, I was just gonna like, what do you think about the idea? Like, what if, what if Chuck does go for like a defense by committee approach, and instead of getting one big guy gets two sort of like middling not bad but like you know not not the seth jones ryan ellis hamilton yeah if level, he if, like if, if he goes below yeah you're like you're, you're basically like saying it, like if he goes out he gets like david savard and jamie alexiak and calls it a day right exactly and then Oof. you know and then can do some spicier things up front is that okay that might be okay I mean, if you get Jack Eichel and then and then you do bargain hunting on defense, like I could li- I could live with that. Oh, yeah. If like if you're gonna sell me like Zach Hi- Zach Hyman and then you're gonna go bargain hunting on defense, I can't live with that. That's fair, extremely fair. That's I keep I keep hearing how like involved this offseason. The Flyers are gonna do stuff. Like they're gonna do stuff. Yeah. And like that excites me. And I'm also thinking like. It's not going to be the right stuff. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard not gonna, to sit where we're there sitting are, and not think it's going to be the wrong stuff. Well, that's, like, the, some options it would are be so, so fun. It would be so nice. Like, it would just be so freaking nice if the Flyers this summer made one move. One move. I'm not asking for four moves. I'm asking for one move. One move that everyone unified in the fan base 
can just get unabashedly excited about. That yes. there there isn't a like, well, his stats suck, or well, we paid him too much. Like, give me that one move where we can just be like, holy shit, we got this guy. I would you know love what's that. Sad? That would be so much Is, fun. I wonder at this point if there even exists a move that would satisfy everyone in this fan base. McDavid? That's fair. They like, would pro- somebody would complain that he doesn't play enough defense. Oh yeah, that, or like he's that's too soft the, or something. Well, uh, like we talked about last week, we sometimes you know the lunatic fringe should be ignored. Like if there's yeah. a if there's six percent of people who are going to be miserable if we get Drysital and McDavid, we should ignore <laughs> that six percent of people. They're so <laughs> but, loud. They are I mean, very I, loud. I, they. I mean, I do think like, and I know you know you guys just spent. 10 minutes throwing cold water on it. I do think that Jack Eichel would be that move. Like Jack, because it would, we would, conv- any skeptics of Jack Eichel, once it became clear the Flyers are getting Jack Eichel, within 10 minutes, everyone is convincing themselves that he fucking rules. Fair enough. You're like, like get, getting Jack Eichel is a fuck yeah move. Like, to the, like, even to a degree that even like getting Dougie Hamilton isn't. No, that's definitely not. That one I think would be divisive as hell. Like, Jack Eichel, you, you get Jack Eichel, and it's like, oh, man, the Flyers are fucking back. That's... And it, it is, like, a very, like, he seems like that kind of, like, that's a Flyers move. I don't know. Like, yeah, there's this guy, and everyone's unsure about him. We're like, fuck it, we'll pay you the 10. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> That like, that's, that's, move. that's an old-school spicy Flyers move. And, like, maybe, uh-huh. you know, like... Seth Jones is going to be divisive if they get him. Like, I, we'll, we'll talk ourselves into it, but it'll be divisive if it happens. You know, I'm trying to think, like, Patrick Line would be divisive if it happens. Like, I would just love it if they got some guy where everybody's like, yo, this dude rules, and this is going to be fun. I forgot about Line Is he still, like, is he still a thing? Like, is he well, I mean, he, it's, you know, they fired Torts, so, like, yeah, maybe he'll maybe fit not. with the new coach, but maybe not. Who the hell knows? I feel like Line I've had about enough of him. Yeah, I feel like he's—he's he's not that good. He's not that good of an all-around player. Yeah. He just has one incredible skill. You, you know where honestly I think he would fit the best, and it, it makes far too much sense. So it's never going to happen. I think he would fit really, really well in Carolina. Really well, uh, yeah. because I mean, if they they are so like they have built such a possession dominant system there and they have so many players in that team that could carry line a around the ice and just let him shoot and do nothing else plus i believe they have like multiple fins on that team so like he'd have friends like mm. that move makes way too much sense to me so it'll never happen yeah i'm sure i'm sure i think he, I, I think he would he kill it fit. in carolina I'm sure there are places he could fit, but, like, just looking at his raw goal-scoring totals, like, for a guy who only scores goals, he doesn't do it enough. Like, you should score... Yeah. You should score an Ovechkin number of goals if you're only a goal scorer. It's a fair point. And he's he's had great goal-scoring years, but he's streaky, like all goal-scorers are, and the last couple years have been weird for him. You know, obviously, he got traded. Uh, obviously, he then had to deal with a coach who was probably the worst-suited coach in hockey to coach him. 
So mm-hmm. there's what, some extenuating what circumstances. What the fuck were they here, thinking? But... How did they think that was ever going to work? I mean, All I guess. Us. I mean, what I it boiled down to was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what it boiled down to was that, like, Dubois was demanding a trade. Columbus basically looked at it as we're going to lose. Everybody knows Dubois wants out. So we're going to lose that trade. So the only way we can come close to getting back, like, from a true talent standpoint, fair value is to take on another guy who's demanding a trade even though it's unlikely he's going to work with Tortorella but like just from a value standpoint like, like you don't want to lose too many trades from a talent standpoint because then suddenly you have a hundred dollar bill that turns into eighty dollars that turns into sixty dollars and suddenly you've just lit forty dollars on fire and I think that was the only trade where they weren't they, they were not lighting money on fire that said there was no chance that line a was going to work with Tortorella not a chance in hell it was never going to happen all right, guys, I think that's about it. Do we have anything else? Uh, anything else happening? Nah. All right. Well, then, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Remember when the show was only going to be 45 minutes this week? That was a fun time. <laughs> uh, Charlie has some writing to do. I'm probably going to go back to sleep. All right, so that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Kelly, for Steph, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys! The Flyers! Broadstreet Hockey Radio! Turn that shit up, you motherfucker! Broadstreet Hockey Radio! What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.